God is so good. Hey guys, I'm so glad that you're here today, man. I, I really am because uh, I was thinking, man, the storms are coming and, and uh, the rain is falling and I wonder who's going to be here. And I want y'all to know the cream of the crop showed up today, amen. So I'm glad that you're here today. We're right in the middle of a series that we've been doing called Painkillers. And I want you to really think about that as we look at that word today, painkillers, because immediately when I say that word, uh, normally and naturally, our mind goes to narcotics or uh, some form of alcohol. And when we think about that, what we've decided in this series is that painkillers is not just about narcotics, it's not just about alcohol, but what we want to make sure that we understand together, and you want to write this down, and this is the big idea of the series, and that is this. Are you with me? Say amen. Where do you go when you're hurting? Where do you run when your heart is breaking? Where do you go when you don't feel like you're worth a whole lot? What happens to you when, you're, when your life is fragile and, and, and it's just kind of broken into pieces? When your heart has been broken and your feelings have been hurt and, and you're, you're treated less than a human being and when you're taking advantage of and, and maybe when you feel like you've been betrayed, and the list goes on and on and on about feelings that we have and situations that we deal with. Where do you run when you are hurting? Where do you go in life to try to hide your pain? Where, where do you go to say, I need, I need some help here? I'm struggling, I'm battling, my life is shattered, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm hurting on the inside. And, and, the, and when we think about that, when you get hurt, where do you run to ease your pain? What are you trying to use as your painkiller? When we think about that, we begin to realize that a lot of people go to the wrong places. They run to all kinds of places and things that, that what they do is they're hurting and they realize that I need some help and I'm struggling. And I'm sure that some of you in this building today and some of you that are listening to me, you're going, Brother Jackie, you read my mail. Man, my life is shattered. My heart is breaking. I, I, I feel less than a human being. I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I'm in a tailspin in life. I, I tell you, Brother Jackie, I'm just in a lot of pain. Nobody knows it because I, I kind of mask it pretty good. But if you were to crack open my heart and look in here, you would see a heart that's shattered and broken and confused and, and struggling. And I'm sure that there are people all of this building that right now you're going, you know what, that's my life. That's where I am, Brother Jackie. I didn't, I didn't want to come here and, and I, I really, I just came here, but, but I, I didn't know that you were going to be talking about that. And man, my life is just a mess and I'm hurting and I don't know what to do. And I guarantee you today, today listen carefully, that some of you have run to the wrong place. Some of you have tried to heal your pain and hide your pain by running to the wrong place. And I want you to write this down. There's only one place that you can go that's really going to take care of your pain, and that place is Jesus. Can I get an amen? But because if you run to the wrong place, what's going to happen is you're going to go over there to that wrong thing or that wrong place, and your pain is going to get worse. But I want you to know that there's only one pain taker, and that pain taker is Jesus. And I want to prove it to you. It's not on the screen, but I want you to listen. Are you with me? Say amen. The book of Isaiah, chapter 53, is a prophetic word from the prophet Isaiah. He's speaking about Christ, and, and he gives us an indication of who he is and what he's going to do. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are what? Does anybody know? We're healed. Can I get an amen? How many of you are thankful that Jesus is the great healer? Can, I, can we just give him praise for that? God is good. Amen. Jesus is the ultimate pain killer. So many people, when they're hurting, they, they refuse to run to him. And what happens is their pain gets worse, and, and their lives get more painful, and their lives get more miserable. Now, I want you to take your pens and paper out. This is not on the outline, but I just want to kind of bring you up to where we are. We've been talking about the places that people go when they're hurting. And the, the very first one we talked about in the painkiller series was the thing called isolation. Uh, that is, when you get hurt, you run into isolation. You go to a place by yourself. And when you get there, you, you kind of want to protect yourself. And, and the devil cuts you away from the herd. 
When he does that, the Bible says that he is a roaring lion, roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And a lot of people, when they get hurt, they go into isolation. And what happens when they get into isolation, the devil begins to work on their mind and their life to bring more pain to them. And I guarantee you there's some of you that's been there. The second one that we talked about, write this down, is the place called inappropriate relationships. We get hurt. We get hurt in a relationship. And, and then all of a sudden we run, we run to the wrong relationship. We think, man, if I could just find somebody to love me. If I could find somebody that would care about me and, and really be genuine with me, then, then I think I'll be all right. And what happens is people run to inappropriate relationships. And when they run to the inappropriate relationships, they get hurt even more. And their pain gets worse and it, gets, it becomes devastating in their life. And there's people probably here that's been guilty of that. And then the third one that we talked about was the independent spirit. We get hurt, we, we get an independent spirit, and we go, you know what, I don't need anybody. I can do this thing called life by myself. And we run over to an independent spirit, and we begin to realize last Sunday that the independent spirit is best profiled by the story of the prodigal son. He, he, went, he gets, goes away from the father, and, and he says, I want everything that's mine. And he goes to a far country, and the Bible says that he finds himself in a pig pen. And the Bible tells us that he, was, he had spent everything and he got in that pig pen and, and all of a sudden the pain that he had became worse. And the Bible tells us he came to himself and he said, I gotta go back to the Father. I gotta get back where I need to be. And that independent spirit drove him to a place of spiritual poverty and want and, and hurt. And he was, he was crushed in his life. And I, I guarantee you there are those of you that are here today that you've experienced pain in your life. And you've said, I, you know what, I don't need anybody. And I don't, I don't, I'm just going to get away and I'm going to do my own thing and I don't need nobody to boss me around and I don't need any advice and I don't want to hear anybody telling me what to do. And you, you, you get that independent spirit and you find yourself hurting even more than you were. But today I want to talk to you about something that, that I think is so important today and I've been guilty of it, guys. I've been guilty of it. I'm not immune to that just because I stand and preach. I, I have issues that I deal with, and I'm sure you do too. But, but today I want to talk about the painkiller of idolatry. Idolatry. And you may say, Brother Jackie, that, I'm not bowing down to a little wooden statue. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not talking about bowing down to a little wooden statue. But have you ever opened your heart up to the wrong things? Have you ever found your heart open to the wrong loyalty of your life? Have you ever found yourself maybe saying, you know what, may, and you've kind of let God take the back seat of your life. And when you're hurting, you're thinking, man, if I could just get this going on or that going on, I feel like I'll be better. And I know that myself, I've been guilty of not letting the Lord be the Lord of my heart. And there's been times in my life where when I look at my heart and my life that I've let something else sit on the throne of my heart. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen? Yeah. And when we think about that, when we let those things get in our life, we're committing idolatry. God wants to be first in our life. God wants to be the one, the Lord of our life. And a lot of times when we're hurting, we start chasing the idols that we're drawn to. And America's filled up with them. We're filled up today with idols that our hearts are drawn to and, and we find ourselves in a place where, where we're giving our life to different things. And, and I want to just kind of give you an idea of it. Have you ever gave yourself to the idol of food? Somebody goes, oh my gosh, don't talk about that one, Brother Jackie. Well, you know what? <clears throat> a lot of times we make that somewhere we go when we're hurting. And man, we just say, well, you know what, that's going to be some, I'm going to find comfort in that. Or, or maybe even sports or TV or our jobs or relationships or our kids or our time or anything. And the big question is, where do you run when you're hurting? And what have you given your heart to? What is, what is, that, what is that one thing that's keeping you from being all that you can be for God when you are hurting and breaking on the inside? I want you to take your Bible today and open it up to the book of Matthew chapter 6. The book of Matthew chapter 6 is stuck right in the middle of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. 
The Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew begins in chapter 5. It goes chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7. We find that Jesus is there and the Bible says that he's surrounded by a multitude of people. And there's all kinds of people there and, and they come to hear this master teacher teach on the subjects about their life. And so they gather together, the multitude are gathered together. If you, could, if you could picture it in your mind, you could just see thousands of people gathered together and, and Jesus is there and, and he's going to teach them. And I believe with all of my heart that you could hear a pin drop when the master teacher steps forward to teach. I believe everybody's given him his, their undivided attention. And he begins in chapter 5 talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Then he quickly goes into chapter 6. In chapter 6, uh, he begins to tell us something that all, we all ought to zero in on. And this is kind of what he says before we read that scripture. He says these words to all of us. Don't lay your treasures up in, on this earth. Because when you lay your treasures on this earth, there's going to be moths that are going to eat it. And, and rust is going to corrupt it. And thieves are going to steal it. And so Jesus says, don't do that. And instead, you are to lay your treasure in heaven. Because when you lay your treasure in heaven, thieves are not going to steal it, and the bugs are not going to eat it, and the rust is not going to corrupt it. And what he's saying is set your affection on things above and not things below. Because when you set your affection on things below, you're going to be highly disappointed with life. And the Bible says, he says something that, that ought to get our attention in, in chapter 6. He says... For where your treasure is, anybody know what it says? That's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. Wherever your treasure is, what do you run to? Where are you going when you're trying to find peace in your life? What are you giving your heart to? And then in verse number 24, he says, Would y'all read it with me, everybody? No man can serve two masters. For, for they will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and he'll despise the other. And read the last part with me here, brother. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now we realize that in the context of this verse, when he says you can't serve God and mammon, he's talking about money or material things. And what he's saying is you can't, be, you can't make that stuff Lord of your life and, and God also. And he says, no man, look in the beginning of that verse in verse 24. No man, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. Nobody can serve two masters. You, you just can't live life like that. You can't be happy if you're trying to do that because if you're trying to serve two masters, you're going to either love one and hate the other or vice versa. You have to make a choice in your life. Who's going to have the throne of your heart? Who's going to be in charge of your life? Where are you going to run when you're hurting? Are you going to go to the stuff of the world? Are you going to begin to embrace things or, or people or relationships? Or are you going to let God be there? He says you cannot serve two masters because, write this down, if you try to serve somebody other than God, you're committing idolatry. And this idolatrous thing that happens in your life is going to create a lot of pain for you. Because if you're running to somebody other than God when you are in pain, you're going to be highly disappointed. And the pain that you're trying to get rid of is going to get worse and worse and worse. And Jesus is saying to the crowd, you cannot love God and everything else. You can't let those things have the loyalty of your heart. Because if you do that, you're going to hate one or the other. And one of the others is going to be priority of your life. And I don't know about y'all, but I know about me. There's been times in my life where I've run to the wrong stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get an amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I know you're guilty of it. Go ahead and tell them that. I know you are. Because we've all done it, guys. We've all, we've all said, if I could just get rid of the pain, and, if I, and I think I know how to do it, if I get rid of the pain, maybe if I get this or get this woman or get this man or get this car or get this stuff or get this job or, or whatever, then I'll, my pain will go away, only to realize that it gets worse. So, so today, I want to teach you something about that. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Now, there's some things that I want you to know today. So y'all have got to lean in and you've got to listen because this is profound to me. I believe that much of the pain that we experience in life not, not always, but I believe that much of the pain that we experience in life is caused by one of two things. The first thing <laughs> that I believe causes pain 
in our life is this. I want you to write this down. Spiritual vacancies. <coughs> I believe that we have a lot of pain in our life when we have a spiritual vacancy in our life. And what happens is that spiritual vacancy, when we have a spiritual vacancy in our life, then we start letting other things become important to us. And we start forfeiting the most important thing in our life. And I've been there, guys. I've been in that place in my life where I've had spiritual vacancies in my life. And, I, I, and what happened was my life didn't get better. It got worse. And when you don't have God where he's supposed to be in your life, you're going to have that spiritual vacancy. And when you have a spiritual vacancy in your life, you're going to have pain. And that pain is going to be real. And it's just going to complicate itself. So I think a lot of times we have pain in our life because we got spiritual vacancies in our heart. And then secondly, write this down. I believe that we got pain in our life because we have misplaced lordships. Jesus is supposed to be the king of our life. He's supposed to occupy the throne of our heart. But whenever I let something else come into my life, and I give that something else the place that he's supposed to have, I have misplaced the lordship. And when I misplace the lordship, it sets me up for more pain. More pain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, what happens is people say, well, <clears throat> you know what? I need to get rid of pain. And this is what they do. Rather than running to God, they run away from God. Rather than being filled with the spirit of God, they begin to be filled with the things of the world. I see it all the time. People go, man, I'm hurting and I, I'm struggling and I'm battling. And they'll come into church and they'll, they'll walk down the aisle and they'll come to the altar and they'll say, well, you know what? I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. And then all of a sudden the world starts crowding into their life. And, and rather than being faithful and being committed, they start missing church and missing what they're supposed to be. And all of a sudden, the spiritual vacancy come in. And when the spiritual vacancies come in, uh, we have misplaced lordship. And guess what happens, Brother Randy? It gets worse. And then we find ourselves back where we were in a bigger mess than we were in to start with. And we're still hurting. So today, I want to talk to you about three things about this, this subject called idolatry. And number one in your outline is a profound thought to me. The command against idolatry. Do you know that God loves you so much that he's given you instruction to keep you away from this problem? He wants you to understand that when you have idolatry in your life, your, your life is going to be filled with more pain. And he uses an example to me that's so important. He uses the example of his own people, the nation of Israel. You remember the nation of Israel was in bondage in Egypt and they began to cry out to God and God heard their cry and God sent the deliverance to them and they, they were led by Moses out of Egypt and they, they came to the Red Sea and God did a miraculous work at the Red Sea. He split the Red Sea and the Bible says that the nation of Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and as they got on the other side they began to praise God and, and they looked back and all the enemies were drowned in the Red Sea and man right before them was the promised land and the abundant life that God had promised them they could have. But when they got over there, something started happening to them. They started failing in their life and misery came in. Rather than experiencing the abundance of life, the pain got more severe. So I want you to open your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians. Are you with me? Say amen. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians the truth about the story of the nation of Israel. And it's amazing to me that God chose this story to instruct us and guide us in life. And I want you to look at verse number 1 of chapter 10. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would that you should not be ignorant. Now, the word ignorant means to be uninformed. How that all of our fathers were under the cloud and, and they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud under his leadership and in the sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat. That is the manna from heaven, the, the provision of God. And they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And the Bible says that rock was, say it, church, Christ. How many of y'all understand we got the same blessing they had? 
Can I get an amen? We got the same blessing they have. We, we eat the same spiritual food. We drink of the same spiritual rock. And without a shadow of a doubt, that rock is Jesus Christ. And the same God that brought them out brought us out, y'all. The same God that delivered them delivered us. The same God that did a miracle for them has done a miracle for us. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in verse number five, and this is a big word, y'all, right there in that verse. First word of verse five, say it. That one word, say it. But how many of you have ever had that moment in your life? Come on now, you gotta be honest. God was being good to you. God brought you out, but you acted crazy. Can I get an amen? You messed it up. You started messing it up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all better get with me today. I'll start all over. How many of y'all understand? Come on, man. How many of y'all had that butt moment in your life? God was blessing you. You was trusting him, but you went stupid on him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Look, y'all, we're in that wilderness. We're in that fight. And your objective is to always please God. But when we, start, when we start messing it up, God is not well pleased with us. And the pain that we've got, we start getting involved in things we shouldn't be involved in. And then all of a sudden in verse number six, it says, these things were given to us as an example to the intent that we should not, come on, y'all, lust after evil things. Anybody been guilty of that? They lusted. He says, you don't need to do that. And then I want you to look at the next verse in verse number seven. Neither be ye idolaters. Underline that in your Bible. Don't, don't get sucked into this one. This one here is going to cause you problems. He says, as some of them were, as is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. He says, don't commit fornication. As some of them committed and fell on one day three and 20,000. Don't tempt Christ. Some of them also tempted and they were destroyed of the serpents. Don't murmur. And some of them murmured also and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them for, come on, examples. They're written for our, uh, uh, to admonish us upon whom the ends of the world are to come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands say it, take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Come on now, the next word is powerful, y'all. But God is faithful. Can I get an amen? How many of you know that God is faithful? Can I get an amen? Has God been faithful to you? He is always faithful in the midst of whatever. Our God is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will also, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Verse 14, everybody read it out, out loud together. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Isn't it ironic that right there in that passage of Scripture, he says, now look, y'all listening to me. Look, look right back over there uh, to verse 7. He says, don't be idolatry. Don't, don't be caught in idolatry. And then in verse, number, in verse number 14, he says, whatever you do, flee from idolatry. Now, are you listening to me? He says, don't commit fornication. Don't do that. And he tells you, don't, don't, be, don't be involved in that. And he says, don't, don't murmur. Don't gripe. Don't, don't meribah. Don't, don't do that. Don't tempt Christ. Don't, whatever you do, those, those are not good things. But did you understand something? That in the list of all don't do's, he only repeated one of them twice. He, only, he didn't say don't commit fornication twice. He didn't say don't murmur twice. But he said don't be caught in idolatry. He reinforces that. He says it twice, y'all. Whatever you do, don't let yourself get sucked into idolatry. And I think he did that because he knew that when you get sucked into idolatry, you're allowing something to come into your heart that's going to cause you a lot of problems. And when you look there together in Exodus, we find that through the Ten Commandments, God spake all these words saying, I'm the Lord your God. 
I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You will not make a graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven or, or above, that's in the earth beneath, or that's in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow yourself down to them, nor should you serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I, I, I visit, now don't miss this, y'all. You've got to hear me. When you commit idolatry, your idolatry will visit the fathers upon the third and the fourth generation of your kids. In other words, when you find yourself being drawn to idolatry, it's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect your kids. And it's going to affect your grandkids and your great-grandkids. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a problem with that today. We've got a problem with that today. And I'm going to prove it to you before you get out of here. That we're living in a world today in the church. Brother Kevin, we've got a problem today. And that problem is that so many people that call themselves Christians... They've got pain. And, and when they've got pain in their life and they're hurting, they run to the wrong God. And when they run to the wrong God to try to fix their pain, they're committing idolatry. And that idolatry, are you listening to me, church? Not only brings devastating results to your life, but it will bring devastating results to your children and your grandkids. We see it all the time now today. People that say they're Christians that are supposed to be loyal to God, that are supposed to be serving God, that, that understand the Bible, that, that go to churches, and then they start hurting. Rather than running to God, they run away from God. And rather than finding themselves in the word of God and in the spirit of prayer and, and under the authority, the spiritual authorities of their life, they run back into the world. And they find themselves opening themselves up to all kinds of worldly things. And I want you to listen to me. When you do that, when you open your heart up to idolatry, and I know what you're thinking, Brother Jack, I'm not, I'm not committing idolatry. I'm not, I'm not bowing down to some little wooden statue. Listen, my friend, I'm not talking about bowing down to some little wooden statue. I'm talking about where is your heart? What have you opened your heart to? And when you open your heart to the wrong thing when you are hurting, and you allow that thing to capture your heart, you're committing idolatry. And God has commanded us, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't do that. Yeah, don't commit fornication. Don't gripe. Don't grumble. Don't, don't tempt Christ. But for what, listen, I'm telling you twice, don't commit idolatry. And he said, I'm writing this to you because I want to give you an example. They were destroyed because of it. They were destroyed. They fell in the wilderness. They died without really embracing the abundant life that I have for them. And it will happen to you just like it happened to them if you do not pay attention to this. So the command is, God says, whatever you do, guard against idolatry. And then I want you to realize something. This is profound. I wish I had time to really take you here. I don't because of the limits of time. I'm going to give you some things that I think you need to get away from this. I want you to take something away from here today that will change your life. The second thing is the chain that idolatry creates. See, the Bible says that God brought them out of bondage. Brought them out of the land of bondage. Can I tell you this? That's exactly where Satan wants you to be. He wants you to be in bondage. He wants you to be in chains. So when you run to the wrong thing to try to fix yourself, rather than God, you're creating the chain of bondage again. And that chain of bondage is going to bring destruction to your life. So I wrote down a few things that I believe is so true. First of all, 
When you run to idolatry and you let this, this thing happen to you, it will deliberate, you will deliberately embrace the ways of the world. You'll start opening yourself up to the ways of the world again. You'll start running to that to try to fix you. You'll start running to that to try to find something that will ease your pain. And when you run to that, you're setting yourself up for a chain that's going to be wrapped around you to put you back in bondage. And the Bible says in Psalms 106 and verse 28, just look there with me together, it says these words. And they join themselves to Baal, Baal Peor. That is the worship of Satan or, or idol worship on a mountain called Peor. Now this is where the heathens were. That's where they went to worship. And they were there doing, they were doing idol worship and worshiping. It was a false worship. And the heathens around the nation of Israel were joining. And the nation of Israel began to join themselves with these people that were doing false and satanic worship. And they ate the sacrifices of the dead. Now I want you to notice the next verse. It's powerful. They mingled themselves with the what? Come on now, y'all got to help me. They mingled themselves with the what? And when they mingled themselves with the heathen, they learned their works. Look at Brother Jackie. When you are hurting and you run to the world, that's exactly what you do. You begin to deliberately associate yourself with the ways of the world. I see it happen all the time. People get hurt. Uh, they struggle. They're, they're, they're struggling. They're having, they've got pain in their life. And rather than running to God, they'll run to the world. And when they run back to the world, they start embracing the works of the heathens. And they think, my life is going to get better. Can I tell you, your life won't get better. Your life will get worse. So when you find yourself opening your heart up to something other than God, you're going to deliberately begin to mingle with the world. And then you're going to go to the next level of this chain. And that is, you will dilute sound doctrine. You'll start listening to the wrong stuff. And by the way, we're living in a world today to where that's happening everywhere. People want to run to somewhere so they can hear what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you, when you come to Eden West Side, I'm just going to preach the Word of God unapologetically. And I'm not going to apologize for that because I'm telling you, we live in a world today that we need to hear the hard teaching of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? And my mom and daddy, my mom and daddy says, you know what? If the shoe fits, just wear it. Because, guys, I'm going to tell you, we're living in a world today that we need to have sound biblical doctrine. But when you, when you begin to involve yourself in idolatry or you're, you're moving in that direction, you will say, I want to hear what I want to hear rather than what I need to hear. The Bible says in Psalms 106, verse 35, they mingled themselves among the heathens and they what? Learn their works. In other words, I'm not really interested in what God has to say. I'm interested in what I want. I'm interested in what's going to tickle my ears at the moment of where I am in my life. And you know what? I'm not interested in hearing all that hard stuff. I don't want to hear about sin. I don't want to hear about all that. That's not my bag. I'm not in. Listen, I just want to eat, drink, be merry, and enjoy my life. I'm trying to find some, some place that I can get rid of my pain. And when you dilute your sound doctrine... You're setting yourself up for more bondage. I want you to look at the third thing. This is powerful. They divert their souls. When you open your heart up to idolatry, you begin to divert your soul away from truth. The Bible says in Psalms 106 verse 36, and they serve their idols. They serve their idols. Can you imagine? This is God's people doing this, and, and they begin to embrace the ways of the world. And as they did that, they begin to divert their souls, and when they did that, they started serving the idol. And I'm going to tell you, we're filled up with that today. We're filled up with that. We, we put other things first in our life, and we begin to serve the idols. And I want you to remember what I'm about to tell you. When you do this, 
Listen carefully. You're listening to me. You will destroy your kids. You will destroy your kids. Your kids will pay a price for your disobedience. Your kids will experience the problems of your decisions. When we look at what happened in this particular circumstance, the Bible says in verse number 37, they sacrificed their daughters and their sons to devils. And I'm going to tell you bluntly, we're doing the same thing today. We're sacrificing our kids to the devils of this world. And you know what? I'm going to listen to the next verse. And they shed innocent blood. And the blood of their sons and the blood of their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with the blood of the kids. And I'm going to tell you, folks, in America today, this land is polluted with the blood of our kids. Our kids' blood is polluting this land because we're exposing them to that stuff. And I want you to write this down. It's not in your notes, but write it down. What you do moderately, your kids will do liberally. You do a little, they'll do a lot. You act the fool and you, you, you run to the wrong things, your kids will do that. And you're setting, when you do that, you set your kids up for the devil to, to, to capture them and destroy their lives. And I see it all the time. People that are hurting. Listen to me. Are you listening to me? People that are hurting, they, they're, in, they're in pain. And they run to drugs. And they think, man, you know what? I can run to drugs and it's going to fix my pain. Can I, can I tell you this? Your kids are not stupid. They know what you're doing. You can't hide that from them. You, you say, I'm just going to drown my sorrows in alcohol. Your kids know that. You say, well, I'm hurting. I'm just going to find somebody else. I'm going to have an affair. Your kids know that. And your kids are watching that. And what's happening is what you are giving your heart to. Your kids are examining that. And they're going to think, watch this, that that's normal. Rather than you running to Jesus, you run to the wrong stuff. And your kids are watching you do it. Now, now look, at the, look at the next thing. <clears throat> you defile your true worship. Whenever you involved in idolatry, you defile your true worship. Psalm 106 verse 39 says, They defiled with their works and went a-whoring after their own inventions. Now the word a-whoring means inappropriate. God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us giving our heart to somebody else or something else. The Bible says they provoked him to anger with their inventions. And what we do is we create something in our mind and we think, man... This is going to fix me. And when you run to the wrong thing, you, you're provoking God to anger. And when you provoke God to anger, there's, your pain is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And so this chain just gets worse. It goes from your pain, now you've got pain in your family, you've got pain in your kids, you're causing all kinds of havoc. Now the pain that you started with has multiplied, got worse, and you're trying to say, what do I do to fix this mess? And if you don't run to God, you're going to mess it up. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, the next thing is a big deal, and uh, it displeases God. Did you know that our ambition in life is to please our Father. We need to have a desire in our heart that the number one goal of wherever we are in life is to say, God, I want to please you. I'm not discounting that people hurt. But what I am telling you is when you hurt, your number one ambition in the pain is to make sure that you please God. And your, your goal should be to make sure that whatever you're going through, that you need to ask yourself this question. 
Is my decision that I'm making in my pain pleasing God? Verse number 40 says this. Therefore was the wrath of God kindled against the people, insomuch that he abhorred his own inheritance. And the Bible says he gave them to the hand of the heathen, and they, what? Hated them and ruled over them. Do you know that when you follow this pattern and you find yourself in pain, but now you're, you've run away from God, you've opened your heart up to all kind of things, can you imagine God saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you over to the heathen. And I tell you what they're going to do. They're going to hate you. And they're going to treat you like dirt. And I told you last Sunday, you know what? People will love you as long as you've got money, as long as you're, listen, as long as you're doing, crossing all the T's for them and dotting all that. But when you run out of money, your friend, those people that call you their friends, they'll walk out on you. When you, when you find yourself at rock bottom, they're going to abandon you. When you, cannot, when you cannot buy the drugs anymore, they're going to walk out on you. And they're going to leave you by yourself. And you're going to be in more misery then than you were when you began. And I want to give you the last thing. And boy, this is good. And I normally don't even use this. <coughs> but I want you to listen to me because this right here uh, spells it out just right down the gun barrel and... Uh, this is a different translation. I'm a King James Version guy, but this, this translation speaks directly into the last point, and that is this, the corruption of the idolatry. The corruption of it. Where will it lead you if you're trying to kill your pain by at the same time giving your heart to the wrong things? What's going to be the corruption of it? And I want you to listen carefully, and I just want you to read this. Don't even look away. Look at the screen. Read this, this in this translation. But God's angry displeasure erupts as acts of human mistrust and wrongdoing and lying accumulate as people try to put a shroud over the truth. Okay? But the basic reality of God is plain enough. Open your eyes, and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see what their eyes as such can't see, eternal power. Now, what does that mean? It means you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a seminary graduate to look around and say that there's a God. I mean, the, the world says there's a God. But when you shroud the truth in the wrong things and you deny that, you're in trouble. Now watch this. For instance, the mystery of his divine being. So nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this. People knew God perfectly well, but when they didn't treat him like God, refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all but they were illiterate regarding life. Watch this. They traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you can buy at a road stand stop. Road stand stop. So God said in effect, say it. That's what you want? That's what you're going to get. Watch this. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out, and all of this because they traded the true God for a fake God. 
and worship the God that they made instead of the God that made them. The God we bless, the God who blesses us, oh yes, worse followed. By refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be a human. They didn't know how to be a human being either. Women didn't know how to be a woman. And men didn't know how to be a man. Sexually confused. They abused and defiled one another, women with women, men with men, all lust, no love. Watch this. And then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love and godless and loveless wretches. Watch this. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. Let's stop for a minute. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant evil. Grappling, grasping, vicious backstabbing, and they made life hell on earth with their envy, their war on killing, their bickering, their cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued, God-bashers, bullies, swaggers, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways to wreck their own lives. They ditched their parents when they didn't get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they didn't know better. They know perfectly well that they're spitting in the face of God. And they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. Can I tell you this? That's where America is today. And I want you to listen to Brother Jackie. Adam, if you'll come. There was a part in there that this is what it said. Watch this. Are you listening to me, y'all? And God left them alone. What would you do if God just decided to leave you alone? What would you do if God said, I tell you what, from now on, you ain't got to worry about me bothering you. I'm going to leave you alone. What if you came to church and God never spoke to you again? What if God said, you know what? I'm going to never bother you again. You don't have to worry about me bothering you. I won't bother you again. What if your heart got turned so cold that you let all this stuff come into your heart and you let all this stuff take the place of God to the place that God said, I'm not going to bother you anymore. I'm just, you, if this is the way you want it, this is the way you got it. What would you do if that happened? What would you do? You say, Brother Jack, I've been hurting. And, and I've, I've, been, I've been trying to find the answers in the wrong places. Well, you know what? You know better than that. You know better than that. You know you can't find answers in drugs. Nobody's, you don't have, nobody has to tell you that. You know that. You know you can't find answers in a bottle. You know that. You've tried that before. It just gets worse. You know you can't find answers in cheating and lying and stealing and <coughs> in a, inappropriate relationship. You know that. I don't have to stand at this pulpit and tell you that. You already know that. You know that if you choose that way, it ain't going to get better for you. If you know that, then you've also got to know there's only one answer for you. 
you got to turn to God. Amen. You know what you do? <clears throat> I'm not denying that you've got pain. You've got to take this pain, whatever it is, and you've got to say, God, I'm giving it to you. And you take that pain, whatever that pain may be, and you surrender it to God. I want to give you the bottom line. Idolatry is not a painkiller. You're not going to get your pain better by giving your heart to somebody else. Your, your pain's not going to get any better if you try something else. Idolatry is not a painkiller. You have to get that in your mind. So you say, Brother Jacob, what do I do? What do I do then? By the way, we probably have everyone been guilty of letting the wrong thing get in our heart. What do you do when you find yourself where you are? This is what you do. You come to the Father, you say, Lord, I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of chasing after the wrong things. I'm guilty, God, and I want to ask you to forgive me. And if you will ask him to forgive you, listen to me, he will forgive you. And you can start right where you are, and you could put God back where he needs to be in your life. And when you do that, God is going to begin to help you with the pain. But you've got to get honest with him. You've got to get dirt honest with him. And you've got to say, Lord, I need you more than anything in my life. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to invite all of you to stand in just a moment. And we're going to have men at the altar. And they're down here to help you make decisions. If you're here and you've never asked Jesus in your heart, these men are going to help you with that decision. If you're here and you want to join the church, they're going to help you make the decision on how to do that. And if you're here and you just need to come to the altar and pray, we want you to come. I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment, and if God's dealing with your heart, when you stand, you stand and come. Take that first step toward the Lord and just come on when you stand. So are you ready? Say amen. Let's all stand together. You come if you'd like to come as our ministers come. You come. You make that decision for Christ today. Will you do it? As you come, let's sing together. God will change your life. Let's do it today.